0: I want to invite you again this morning to turn with us to the book of Philippians as we go through our summer sermon series in the book of Philippians. I believe that God has a special word for you today as we look at living in the crossroads and the decisions that we make. Join with us this morning as we study God's word. Amen. If you have your Bible in Philippians chapter 3, we'll find our place there. The crossroads. The crossroads. Philippians chapter 3, we'll find our place at the crossroads. Paul writing in the church of Philippi. Wow, what a challenging two weeks we've had in the book of Philippians. That thing became real to us. And uh, man, God is just moving and working. That was a tough two messages. The drink offering. Everything that was gained to us, we counted as loss, that we might know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And what those last two sermons do is they bring you to a point of decision where you have to become real with Christ. And it's no longer about a formality, it's no longer about a religion, but it becomes about a relationship. One of the reasons that people uh, have negative things to say about Christianity is because they view it from the characteristics of the lifestyles of those people who profess to be Christians. And those people who profess to be Christians are in the lifestyle that they are in because they have a relationship with Christ that is based upon religion and not upon intimacy and what the last two sermons have done is they have brought us to a place where we had to make that decision and Paul says now you're at a crossroads what are you going to do he says in verse 17 join in imitating me brothers And observe those who live according to the example that you have in us. Now let's stop right there and think about that. Now I want to go back to another scripture right before that and read it. If you look at verse 15 it says. Therefore all who are mature should think this way. Think what way? Think that we are to be willing to count all things lost. That we might gain Christ. And then. In this way, and if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this to you. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. You know why most people, listen to this scripture. We ought to live up and live out to whatever the amount of truth that we have attained in Christ. One reason that we have such shallow believers and such shallow churches Is because they haven't attained very much. They can't live out what they don't have. You cannot give what you don't have. If you want to be a blessing, you have to what? Be blessed. If you're not blessed, then you cannot bless other people because you have no reservoir from which to draw the blessing out of to bestow it upon somebody else. Now as we move forward, we go forward in verse 17, and he says, now, just imitate me. Just imitate me, brothers. Can I ask you a question? If somebody imitated you, how close would their walk with Christ be? Paul says right here, imitate me, and you will be all right. Because I know that I am walking with Christ. And if you'll follow my example, if you'll live out my example, then you will be walking with Christ. And then he moves on and says, Observe those who live according to the example that you have in us. In us. One of the reasons a lot of people struggle with living out the example, living out the Christian life, is because they are living out the example that they find in other people. Well, if Sister Susie does it, and she does these things, and I ought to be able to do it. If they commit this, if they live this way, if they live on the fence, and they're in the world one minute, in the church the next minute, and they're back and forth, right and left, up and down, in and out, then I ought to be able to do it. And so, uh, have you ever noticed why, why they have these disclosures at the beginning of some TV programming and it says these are basically paid professionals do not try this at home because if you try it at home you're gonna get hurt and it's their disclosure and I believe many Christians are to live their life with a disclosure Many people who profess to be Christians are to live their life with a full disclosure that says, don't try this in your own life, you could be hurt. Matter of fact, because of this type of living, we've come up with a new word in our Western culture. You have Christians, and you have born-again Christians. The second used to infer the first. But no longer can you just say the first, because people call themselves a Christian because they live in America. They call themselves a Christian because they went to church as a child. They attended every VBS during the summer, and their grandma still goes to church. And they are riding the coattail of their grandmother's religion, and therefore they say, I'm a Christian, but yet their lifestyle is something completely opposite. But I believe that my philosophy is that we ought to not call ourselves a Christian until somebody else first does. Do you realize that to be called a a Christian originally was an insult? It was to say, you're a little Jesus. So if we're not living out as little Jesuses, then we ought to not call ourselves a Christian. You know, I don't have a fish on my car. I don't have anything that resembles Christianity on my car. Because sometimes I don't really drive as a, like a, a Christian should be driving. I struggle. I may cut somebody off, not intentionally, but, you know, I just ADD kick in, and I'm enjoying the scenery all around, and I cut somebody. I I don't want anybody to say, well, man, that's how a Christian drives. I'm just being honest here. It's kind of like the, the lady, The you know, this lady was at a, a red light, and, and I, I, man, she was, the person in front of her wasn't going when it turned green. She was blowing the horn and hanging out the window and cussing and all this stuff. And, man, the police officer was behind her, and he saw it. He turned his lights on, pulled her over. And she said, Officer, I don't know why you pull me over. I didn't do anything wrong. And he said, Well, I'm pulling you over because you stole that car. And he said, No, what do you mean I stole it? This is my car. No, it's not. He said, I just saw you in full display Blowing the horn, hanging out the window, cussing the person in front of you, raising hell, and you're you got a fish on your trunk of your car, you got a bumper sticker that says, Meet me in church on Sunday, and another one that says, honk if you love Jesus. Now I know you were honking, but it I didn't see much Jesus loving taking place. Therefore, from my detective experience, this car must be stolen. You're picking up what I'm putting down. Our lives must mimic that of Christ. But he goes on and says, for I've often told you, and now I say it again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Verse 19. Their end is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is their flesh, their shame. Daniel talked about in the last days there would be, I I preached a sermon on this one time. It's called No More Red Face. And it's because it talks about their skirts would be lifted and they would not be embarrassed. Have you watched TV lately? Have you watched reality TV? Their glory is their shame. People glory in shame today. They glory in shame. Matter of fact, there's a bunch of controversy this week. With the uh, Rolling Stones magazine, they're saying that they are glorifying the Boston bomber. Making him look out like a rock star. And we have shame and we glory in it. And they go on and say they are focused on earthly things. Now, look at the next verse right here. It's very interesting. But our citizenship, Church of Philippi, is in heaven. From which we also eagerly await for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will then transform the body of our humble condition, because you remember, all of chapter three was about humility, drink offering, counting all things as loss that you may gain Christ. The condition, and the likeness of His glory, glorious body, by the power that enables Him to subject everything to himself, to bring everything under subjection. So then, chapter 4, verse 1, In this way, my dearly loved brothers, my crown and my joy stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. Don't give up. You're at a crossroads. Man, as we have looked at the book of Philippians and we have dealt with the book of Philippians, there's been some challenging sermons in there. There's been challenges in sermons not only to live, they've been hard to preach. But they bring us to that crossroads where we say, what must I do? Which way must I follow? Do you know every day, you know, there's those crossroads that you can look back on in your life, and they were big crossroads. They were crossroads that led you to a different city, a different state, a different job. But do you know every day... You're at a crossroads. Every day you have to make a decision. Every day we have to make a decision when we're, when we're faced with someone who gets on our nerves on how we will respond. Every day we have to make a decision on this day, will I be the man of God? Will I be the woman of God in my home that God's called me to be? Will I lead my children in private worship? Will I lead my children in private prayer? Will I lead my children in private Bible study? Will I lead my spouse in the right way? Will I be the woman that God has called me to be? Will I be the man that God has called me to be? Every day we have to make those decisions. You can make a decision today, and the next day you got to get up and make that decision all over again. You you say, well, I I made a decision a long time ago that I'm going to be a Christian. Well, you may have, but I'm going to tell you today, it's a new decision. That's why Paul said in one of his epistles, I die every day. Because every day it's a new decision whether I will decide to live out the spiritual life or the physical life. Because the flesh warreth against the spirit is what he wrote to the church of Galatians. And as we look at this, we move forward and there's three things I want you to write down about the crossroads. At the crossroads, you have to make a decision. And the decision is this. Who will you follow? Which pathway will you go down? When you make a decision to turn right, left, or an intersection, you are making a decision to go down a road that someone else has already built. You're making a decision to follow a pathway that someone else has already traveled down. Oh, sure, there was originally those pioneers. They were the ones who set out the Lois and Clarks, the people like who built the superhighway through Alaska. I mean, they didn't have any better sense, but in the middle of Alaska just got on dozers and excavation equipment and just took off. Yes, those people were not following anybody, but they were leading a pathway for others to follow. There were those pioneers who weren't content to stay on the eastern shoreboard of the United States of, or the North America continent, but they were willing to strike out in wagons and, and on horses and begin to explore the other territory. If it was left up to a lot of people, we'd all live in the east. Thank God for some pioneers, amen. We found that the best was still yet to come. And as we think about this, we begin to connect. Who will you follow? And you got to make a decision at the crossroads. Will I follow those who have used to walk with Christ? Will I follow those who have chameleon Christianity? Will I follow those who live their life in whatever way is conducive for the moment, for the season, for the hour? for the crisis, for the problem, for the joy? Will I live with those who live, will I follow the example of those who live for God when it's right, who live for God when it's easy, who live for God when it's tough? Will I follow those who, who have a heart for God, who lead their family in worship, who lead their family to seek the way of God? Or will I follow those who, who, who live the life that's convenient at the moment? problem is for those people who have what I call convenient Christianity their faith always fizzles before the finish and that's whose Paul is writing to right here in this passage of scripture he's writing about him he's saying listen I am telling you right now church of philippi there are those with tears in my eyes that i tell you they used to walk with christ but they no longer do i'm telling you that after 16 years of being a pastor my heart breaks for people who once loved god who once served god who once was in the worship team who once taught children's church who once drove church fans who was once part of the prayer team who once prayed who once fasted who once who once preached who were once worship leaders but i tell you today that if you didn't know where they once were to look at their life you would never know that they were ever a Christian you say that they get saved and they lost it you can't lose something if you never had it we got a lot of people that checked the box that prayed a prayer that went in the waters of baptism they went through new believers classes but they never signed over their death certificate to say that I died to myself if you never fill out your death certificate then you can never have a certificate of birth in Christ Jesus unless you die unless you, I'm telling you you don't call the coroner to pronounce your death you don't call the pastor to pronounce your death you call yourself and you say Lord Jesus on this day at this hour I die to myself that I might live to you the Bible says in Galatians 2 and 20 for I have been crucified with Christ which means I died Yet I live. You can never receive a certificate of live birth as a born again believer unless you personally fill out your own death certificate. We have a lot of people who have tried to short circuit that. They try to bypass it. And their faith always fizzles before the finish. Listen, I don't care. I mean, I mean, the. People beat up on the Baptist and they say, man, they got this once saved, always saved doctrine. And it's, it's, it's go down, you know, punch your card, get your church membership and go live like hell. I tell you that there's preachers that preach that and that's heresy. I'm telling you that when you get born again and you are blood-bought, I'm telling you the Holy Spirit of God cleans out the the inner part of your life and you can't live the way you want to. If you can sin and get away with it and never be convicted, it's the best evidence that you have never filled out your death certificate. And today I want you to understand something. My brothers and sisters, many people I tell you have gone down this pathway They have followed down this pathway they are leading down this life and Paul says with tears in my eyes I tell you that those who once thought they were being beneficial for the cross now find themselves as enemies of the cross, I want you to know today that if you are sitting at home and you are watching this on television and you don't go to church anymore because of the people in the church understand something, it's not about the people in the church but it's about the people in the body, it's not about those who profess one thing and live something else, don't follow a false Prophet, don't follow a false example, but I want you to follow Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Who will you follow? I'm going to tell you today, I know people that walked away from it, but they came running back because the Holy Spirit of God reeled them back in, convicted them. The Bible says in the book of 1 John, this is how you know that you know Him, that the love of God resides in you. This is how you know that you know Him, that you keep His commandments. There's those, you can follow those who are Christian in name only. Or you can follow those who are Christian in their action only. Find somebody who's a sold out believer. He won't have to tell you that he's a Christian. You'll know that he's one. And that's what Paul's saying. Guys, that's where I am, and you just follow me as I follow Christ. And I'll lead you in the pathway that you need to walk down. I'm telling you today that what we need in Alexandria, Louisiana, what you need at home, what you need in your life, what you need in your workplace is a godly, biblical role model, a godly, biblical mentor who will mentor you and lead you in the pathway of faith, who will answer the hard questions, who will love you enough to tell you when you're wrong and love you enough to say that's not the direction that you need to go down. If you don't have those kind of people in your life, find you some. Find you some. Because they will watch for your soul. They'll watch for your family. There'll be a watchman on the wall. Paul says you can imitate me or you can imitate those other people who once walked with Christ. But I tell you today, they're enemies of the cross. What Paul was saying is not all of them are are out on Bourbon Street. Some of them are still in the church. Did you know you can go to church every Sunday and not walk with Christ? The same way you can go to McDonald's every week and not ever become a Big Mac. Going somewhere doesn't transform you. The decision transforms you. Some people watch them on TV every week. They're enemies of the cross. Some people go to churches. They listen to them every week. They're enemies of the cross. How do you know when they're enemies of the cross? When they preach you another message, when they preach you a message that nullifies the finished work of Calvary, it Cancels out what God is doing when it cancels out the sacrifice, the crucifixion, the blood atonement, the resurrection, and it tells you that you can have salvation in another name. You can have salvation if you have this gift, you can have salvation if you do this work. I want you to know the only thing that drew the grace of God and the mercy of God was not the work of man, but was the mercy of God that drew salvation's plan for you and I. And today, my brothers and sisters in Christ. What we need more than anything is some men of God, some women of God, to rise up and say, I am going to be all that God has called me to be. What will change America? You becoming what God has called you to be. What will change your home? You being what God has called you to be. Doesn't mean if you walk right and spit white that you're never going to have an adversity. It doesn't mean your spouse may not ever leave you. It doesn't mean that you may not have difficult times in your life. But what it does mean is that when you walk down through the valley of the shadow of death, when you walk into the valley of the shadow of despair, I want you to know that your God is with you. He is your shepherd. And if the Lord is your shepherd, there is nothing that you shall want because he will pick out a green pasture for you to lay down and find rest for your soul He will lead you by some still waters. And today, my brothers and sisters in Christ, I want you to know that God has a plan for your life. He has a destiny for your life. He has a purpose for your life. And it is unthinkable what God wants to do. Sometimes God has to strip things away from us. Sometimes God has to kick us out to bring us in. I was thinking about that scripture. I think it's in Deuteronomy 32 where it talks about is the eagle makes her nest puts thistles and things in her nest. Why would she do that? So that one day that eagle would have to leave the nest. If the eagle never left the nest, it would never learn to fly. And so one day that eagle Intentionally places thistles and thorns in that nest so that that little baby eagle can't snuggle in and watch TV and play Xbox when he's 30 years old. But the baby eagle has to get out of the nest. And that baby eagle gets on the edge of the nest, and it's on the edge of the nest because it can't sit in the nest. And when it gets on the edge of the nest, the mother eagle nudges it. And this baby eagle is just falling from a very high altitude because eagles' nests are really, really high. And all of a sudden this baby eagle is just flopping and flailing and going down and that mother eagle is just soaring over that baby eagle at any moment ready to swoop down underneath that baby eagle and bring it back to safety right before it hits bottom. But somewhere between leaving the nest and earth, somewhere with all that flailing and flopping, Somewhere that baby eagle learns how to fly. And then it begins to learn how to soar. And almost float gracefully. But that eagle would never learn that. Unless God said, I'm going to kick you out and transform you. So that your life can take on a whole new meaning. Today. God is trying. To transform some of your lives which pathway will you go down which crossroads will you follow as we've gone through this sermon this morning i'm sure many of you may find yourself at that crossroads if there is anything that we can do at family of grace please give us the honor of being able to help you give us the honor of being able to help invest in your life if you have given up on church but not on God, I want to encourage you to renew your relationship with him. Would you allow us to share our heart, hear our vision, come partner with us so that we can make a difference and bring hope to our city in many hopeless situations. Thank you and I hope the Lord bless be
1: Thank you.